0: Are any of our Lee students back yet? Are they, I know some of them, one more week, they're in their finals. So if they're back, they shouldn't be back. They should be up there studying for finals. Any of our Lee students in the house? Okay, awesome. Any Lee alums in the house? Anybody have all their money up at Lee? Yeah, you do. I want to talk to you this morning, we start a three-week series about the light, and I want to entitle the message this morning, thank God for this little light of mine. How many of you are glad you've seen the light? The Holy Spirit has revealed to you the light. I um, told the first crowd, I hate to interrupt the concert with a message, but I do have a message, and as I get started this morning, as we do every year in December after Thanksgiving, We come in and we, I just want you to understand how we approach Christmas around here. Most pastors hate preaching during December because people are caught up thinking about this and that, and they have that Krispy Kreme spirit that comes. Their eyes are glazed over. They're sitting here looking at me, listening to me, but they're thinking about what they've got to get done this afternoon. We just take authority over that religious holiday distraction. That spirit of busyness and we ask for the Lord to give us a rhema word this morning. And we're not here and don't you, don't you fall into that trap that we'll, we'll get back to having church in January. No, it's, it's a time in our nation, in our world, we need to have church, we need to hear the word of the Lord and I am confident this morning I have a word from the Lord. So Father, in Jesus' name, your word's anointed. Give me that anointing that breaks through all the stuff And people, they don't even hold anything against me or my personality. They go, that's not Pastor Chuck. That's too good. That's from the Lord. And may we receive it. So your words anointed, anoint me to preach it. But more than anything, Lord, anoint our hearts to be good soil. You got to do that. May it fall on good soil. May we receive it and be transformed by it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 700 years before Jesus came was born in Bethlehem, the prophet Isaiah spoke. And it's, a lot of these verses are on our Christmas cards. And he spoke 700, 700 years. It's a long time before Jesus came. As if he was there, he was speaking in the present tense. Then he mixes up the past tense. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the prophet says, the people walking in darkness, notice that, walking. They're in darkness and they're walking have seen a great light. The people currently walking in darkness have seen a great light, but they're still walking in darkness on those living in the, get this term, the land of deep darkness. That sounds like America right now, doesn't it? Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Four verses later, he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be up on his shoulders. How many of you are thankful for that? That it's not a donkey or an elephant. But the government will be up on his shoulders. And he, that Messiah, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The prophet says, speaking of that time, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of darkness. A light has come. Darkness can be intimidating and suffocating. Growing up in Virginia, there was a time in middle school that we went, I didn't know this term, but it's called spelunking, and you go exploring in caves, and there was one about a mile or two from our house. I don't know if you've ever, I don't like caves, because i am even then, I'm, a, I'm claustrophobic, and we live not too far from the coal mines, and so I, I knew all the stories of things that happened, and a cave is basically a coal mine and um, one that's already been mined, and, and we would go like miles underground, and you, some points in the cave you think, oh, we can't get any further, and you go, oh, right over there there's a little hole, and you, you crawl through that, and I'm like, Holy Spirit me. Like, I didn't like that stuff, but sometimes I would do things that my, other, my older friends wanted me to do, and we would have a couple of flashlights. Have you ever been in like real darkness, like suffocating in your face, most of us have never experienced total darkness. We've experienced like a dim place or something but complete darkness. You get down in a cave and turn the flashlight off it's all up on you. and It's, it's a terrible feeling. I can't imagine it would be like, I, on Tuesday night I mentioned what I'm going to be speaking about this series. and There was a man in our church who just rushed up to me. He was like hyperventilating. He was like Man, I have experienced darkness. One time I was in a cave and my flashlight battery died. I had to pray for him right there and get him delivered. The spirit almost got on me. It was like, but if you, darkness is, there's a physical darkness like we have light here because there's lights. And darkness is the complete lack of light. There's a physical darkness There's also an emotional darkness that people walk through. You get fractured, you get hurt, you hold a bitterness, and you can't see your way forward. There's spiritual darkness too. Darkness and light. Light speaks of God. Darkness speaks of our adversary. Good and evil. Darkness. The prophet said the people living in darkness have seen a great light. The Hebrew word is the word koshek in the Old Testament, and it means darkness, misery, destruction. Some people live in in that, darkness. It's dark, and they're miserable, and they destroy things. There's an ignorance. They don't have knowledge. Sorrow, night, obscurity. It's interesting in the New Testament, the Greek word, the New Testament was written, Koine Greek, Listen to this. This is how Jesus used it. To, to walk in darkness. Darkness is ignorance, respecting divine things. You just don't know what God requires. And as a result, you don't know what your response or your human duties are to the divine. And then the accompanying ungodliness and immorality. And then this, this is the darkness. Tormenting misery. It's interesting that the Greek word for darkness is the word skodas. Moving right along, everybody look straight ahead. I want to ask you three questions this morning. Number one, can you see, can you see, can you see what God is doing right now? One question it really has to do, can you hear God right now? Can you hear what God is saying? The original Christmas in Bethlehem, God came to be born and only two people in town knew what was happening. Mary and Joseph. And they were trying with all their hearts to really believe it. Joseph, and nobody can blame him, he needed another dream from God to say, yep, this is really what's happening. I'd be like Joseph. But only two people in all of Bethlehem could see and hear what God was doing. Do you know what the rest of the people were doing? They were disenfranchised and mad at Caesar Augustus because he wanted to put an app on everybody's phone so he could know where they are and what they're doing. It's the comparable thing. He took a census. We're running a little low, us Romans, and we know where to get some money. We'll pick on the Jews. And everybody in Bethlehem was molly grubbing about, we had to come back to Bethlehem. We don't live in Bethlehem. Our family roots are here and we gotta pay taxes. Only two people in Bethlehem knew what was happening if you don't count Jesus. It looked like Caesar Augustus was in charge, but he wasn't. It looked like the political leader was ruling the day. It's disgusting, isn't it? But it's not. He wasn't ruling the day. God was ruling the day and using the political leader to fulfill the greatest prophecy In the Old Testament, how many of you think God can even use political leaders? We got a small crowd in the 1015 service that believe God can use, you don't even have to have a brain for God to use you. Can I get a witness? I'm not saying our political leaders don't have a brain. This Christmas, I'm ordering for our entire church a bracelet for 2023. And it's not going to say W-W-J-D, what, is G- what would Jesus do? It's going to say W-I-J-D, what is Jesus doing? Or the flip side, one side will say that, the other one will say W-I-G-D. What is God doing? And I'm going to get that for us because we need to know. We need to see. I'm not waxing preacher hallmarky here. I know what time it is. It's December. I know what's happening. It's Christmas. But I know what's really happening. I was in here this room this early this morning. We are in a special epoch of, of history, just like those in Bethlehem. And this Christmas will be just like that first one. People will gather they will eat, we will shop, we will celebrate, we will sing and very few people will worship the baby of Bethlehem because they can't see, they can't hear spiritually and they're ticked off at what's happening in our country. And I wanna say to somebody this morning, God is still God. He's still speaking. He's still moving. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Come on, somebody. and Praise the Lord. Now, seeing what God is doing is about seeing what he's doing today. I'm talking about you seeing it. Hear me. Not you going, hey, I think Pastor Chuck gets it. You... You hearing from God. Not, we have a pastor who hears from God and every Sunday we get a message from the Lord. I'm talking about you seeing and you hearing. It's important. Now, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna see and hear and walk with the Lord, endeavor to bring a word from the Lord every Sunday when I come up here. But it's important in this epoch that you know how to see and hear the voice of God. In First Corinthians chapter 2 Y'all know this, is one of my marquee verses of my life in ministry, where Paul says to the Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hadn't entered into the heart. No heart has dreamed about what God has prepared for those who love him. In verse 10, he says, but he has revealed it to us. He is revealing it to us by his spirit. And we read that, those two verses and we go, that's awesome. But do you know what, it, what is just before that, In verse seven or eight? Paul says this, God's wisdom, it's a mystery to the rulers of this world. If they had understood it, they wouldn't have even crucified Jesus. There's a reason. Sometimes God clouds his mystery so that even the rulers of this world will fulfill his plan. Y'all picking up what I know I'm. I'm not speaking on 101 level. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down this morning? And then that's it's in that that God that Paul says. I mean, catch this. It's wisdom from God. It's a mystery to the world. The rulers don't understand it, but God is still using them. And then he says, by the way, you've never heard. You can't see. You haven't dreamed yet. Unless you are filled with the Spirit, then you know because He's speaking. He's revealing. He's ruling. This morning, it's a really important question that I'm asking you. Can you see what God's doing? Can you hear what He's doing? The second question I have for you is this. Do you believe that God is involved in the world right now? Ask yourself before all the church people go, yeah, he is, yeah, Pastor Chuck, 100%. I'm down with that. It's, it's, It's not as easy to answer that question if we're honest. There's a feeling like God's stuck behind the eight ball. There's a feeling like, I don't know if he's aware. So you need to ask yourself the question, do I believe that God is involved in the world right now? It's easy to have 2020 vision, look back on Bethlehem and go, yeah, God was intricately involved in all the details. It wasn't Caesar's world. God was in trouble. It's easy to do that. In 1990, Andy Groves, the president of the CEO of Intel, wrote a book about a concept called strategic inflection points. And he talked, and inflection is a calculus, mathematical term, and I won't bore you with it, and I don't fully understand it anyhow. But an inflection point is when an, organization, an organization's leader has to make a decision that is absolutely critical and the life of that organization is hanging on the thread of will he make or she make the right decision or the wrong decision. And if you make the wrong decision, it catapults your business, your family, your church, your organization into a whole nother realm of fulfilling your calling. And brothers and sisters, we are in an inflection point. We're asking ourselves in a dark, political, spiritual, emotional, and sometimes physical season of darkness, God, are you engaged? Is Fox, is there any truth? Is CNN, is Elon is he good or bad? Is he a white hat or a a gray hat? This is our world. Balenciaga. Does it really mean Bell is God or king? The Latin teachers don't... Or are there some, some young chippy little engineers in Silicon Valley with Google going... We're going to mess with the Christian right. I don't know. I do know some things what Balenciaga has done and is doing is absolutely dark. And very few people are registering what they think about it. So it doesn't matter what it means in Latin. But we live in a dark world where, hear me, It's hard to find the truth. And isn't it good to have the Spirit of God in us who is the Spirit of truth, who reveals what is right and what is wrong, who won't let us walk in darkness, but will awaken us to the Spirit of God so that we can see and know what is happening in our world. Are y'all out there? How about the confidence that comes from knowing God is in our corner There are more with us than there are against us. Some of you don't realize how I feel this. We have a precious brother in our church who was interviewed for an hour on Fox News and it aired this week, parts of it. Founder, CEO of a highly successful company made one fair, honest, mild, remark on social media about how he felt about abortion the company he founded was the majority stakeholder turns on him he loses his job these are dark times and I when I saw it I reached out to him immediately I couldn't find his number fast enough in our database and I just said I'm proud to stand with you in a dark season where somebody has truth and they're willing to stand up for it Come on, somebody, praise the Lord. Now, our world is changing. It's getting faster and faster, and it's disorienting, confusing. And it can be fearful. And the enemy would love that that international spirit of fear that has been released. He would love to cripple us. And it's in Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, that I just read. Notice, the prophet 700 years before Jesus came said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus comes 700 years later and he's Jesus, the word, and he recalls the word. This is capital W, the word, reflecting on the word. And he stands up and speaks the word that Isaiah spoke. So this is significant. And and Jesus says, the people who are sitting in darkness have seen a great light in Matthew 4. And you go, wait, Jesus, when you quote the Old Testament, especially the prophecies, you quote them verbatim. And when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek and you compare them, it's people who were living in darkness and now people who are sitting in darkness. What has happened? That was a long time ago, Isaiah. Isaiah. We've lived through the intertestamental period where the Old Testament closed and the New Testament, there's 400 years. And we're stuck here as people trying to believe our prophets who said the Messiah was coming. And he hasn't come yet. Do you know those 400 years of intertestamental period, not only has it not come true what the prophet said would happen, our Messiah hasn't come, We've gone hundreds of years and we don't even have a prophet speaking. It was so hard on the Jewish faith that they began to listen, disagree. How do what do we do now with our faith? Is do we believe him? Do we trust him? And they began to deconstruct their faith. And this is why Jesus, when Jesus comes, he comes to an empty shell of Judaism. It's, it's Jewish people who mean well, who were sincere at one time. They were walking in darkness and now they're tired and they doubt the faith. And Jesus, get this picture, the word stands up and quotes the word and it becomes a word. And he says, the people who are sitting in darkness, are you? walking or sitting have you become casual passive you know if it's going to happen it's going to happen and we all have these prophets speaking now who do we believe they said we thought by now this would happen and what's happening in the church is post all of this covid stuff there was a there was an awakening there's a God, what are you doing? There's a shaking, I wanna cling to what's right. And the enemy would have us, even in this Christmas season, to kind of settle down, don't get your hopes up. And that becomes, for preachers too, a self-preservation tactic. And I would say to you, do you believe God is still engaged in the world? Because you need to know, your pastor, if you're coming to this church, I'm gonna preach like my life depends on it, I'm going to preach behind, like we're not stuck behind the eight ball. I'm going to preach like we're watching a replay. We're in the third quarter. And we might be down by two touchdowns, but I'm going to preach like we win in the fourth quarter and we win going away. Why? Because that is the truth. Y'all are not with me this morning. Come on, somebody. Do you believe the word, the word, speaking the word, and giving a word, he is engaged, not just in the world. What about the baby you're holding right now? They say, "Mary, do you know? Did you know? Do you know what's God doing in your baby's life? Maybe your baby's 31 years old. Don't act like you know what. Act like you know what God said. He can do in your baby's life act like you're going to win your baby's going to win are y'all out there this morning come on somebody hallelujah now what do i skip over i don't know this getting this point and again i, I don't want to get hallmarky or christmas cardie or wax romantic and i know how it happens and i love that i love christmas but there's so much more than just Hallmark and romance. You know, this, the stories around Christmas, I've said this before, if you can't preach at Christmas time, if you're a preacher and you can't preach at Christmas time, man, you need to go get a new job. You need to go sell homes or build homes or go to work for Home Depot or something. But because what we, what we see God do in the Christmas story is so surprising, it's so Scandalous, and it's so orchestrated. So think in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph are the only two people, and Jesus, but he's a baby, a divine one. He knows, but not really. But really, he knows. He's just not going to tell anybody. He's coming out, going ma, ma, and he could have said, "Hey, Mary, how you doing?" You know, but he didn't. That. Oh, that's a whole nother sermon, but the, uh, in all honesty. So now he's eight days old, and they're bringing him to the temple to dedicate him. How many people in Bethlehem or in the region now know? Probably the same, two. And they're like holding their breath about it. And there's an old man in the temple, and the Bible says about Simeon, He was devout, 400 years of intertestamental darkness. There may have been other people in Bethlehem or in the region where he's being dedicated. They may have been back in their hometown. There may have been other people that were devout, but the Bible only says this one. And the Bible says that he was a man full of God's spirit. Don't read that. And go, you Pentecostals, y'all always point out the stuff I've never seen. I don't know if it really matters. Don't miss that. He was devout and was full of the Spirit. And then it says, one day he was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple. And do what? Go to the temple. And what happens? He sees Jesus, and it had been revealed to him by the Spirit, that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. Everybody look right here. This isn't your grandma going, Jesus come, the rapture's gonna happen before I die. Before I die, I know the rapture's gonna happen. This isn't that case. This is a man who has a prophetic word spoken into him from the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he sees the Messiah. And one day, one day just... One day he's moved by the spirit and he goes to church and he sees a baby but he doesn't just see a baby. And you read the story, he goes, he basically says, Mary, give me that baby. I don't know if you know who this is. And he lifts the baby up and he just begins to pray to God. He says, oh God, this is the one that you said would be the light of the Gentiles, the glory of your Jewish people. I can die now because that word has been fulfilled in my life. You know what the need for us is to be devout, filled with the Spirit, dreams in the Spirit so that when we see God and it doesn't look like Him, we will recognize it. Anybody out there? Y'all picking up stuff I'm not putting down? Thirdly and lastly, will you trust God to bring light into your darkness when it appears he doesn't know what he's doing? Let me move quickly. You can read this story with hindsight Twenty twenty. Yeah, we see. They didn't see it then. Will you trust God with your emotional dark? It's hard to. When you've been fractured or wounded or hurt over and over, you've prayed about something and you're tired of even sharing your prayer request. Can you still believe God can bring light in your darkness, spiritual darkness, your personal world? Do you believe he can do it? Because the Jewish people for 400 years They've waited. And God, you sent a baby. I thought you were sending a wonderful counselor. You said, the prophet said he would be a mighty God. Hear me, Holy Spirit is speaking to someone. Don't go hallmarking on me. You you said he would be an everlasting father. You said he would be, Emmanuel, we know what Emmanuel means. His name would be God with us. And you sent a baby. Can you, maybe you have a baby and you were looking for God. And God's going, I'm trying to teach you how I work. I don't know why God takes as long as he does. I don't know why we have to wait. And I don't like it either. How many of you know God is slow? The Bible says he is not slow keeping his promise. Sometimes he is. And you think, a baby? 400 years of... We need a political ruler. We need a deliverer. You said, we need somebody to get us out from under this Roman oppression. And you sent a baby. Do you believe God can work in your darkness and bring light into your situation? Do you believe that Jesus, I'm gonna move quickly to close in the next 30 minutes or so. Jesus is standing with the disciples and this is after they know it's not a baby. This is the Messiah. And then he surprises them again. He says in John 14, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. But don't be fearful. Often the word brings fear in the natural because we don't know how God works. And Jesus, knowing what it was going to do, he's, don't be fearful. And he said, hear this, because you know the way. Thomas, doubting Thomas, he goes, no, we don't. We don't know the way which is what we would have said. You're leaving us? How are we gonna know where to go now? And Jesus in verse six, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And this is one of those verses, it's, it's, it's there's a groove on your hard drive that you, you've heard that so many times, it's like, I can't, come on, Chuck, that's all you got? Jesus standing and saying, this morning, let me tell you, your peace is in direct proportion to how close you are to the way, the truth, and the life. The further you are away from Jesus, the closer you are to fear. The further you are away from the way, the truth, the life, the closer you are to darkness. Physical, emotional, spiritual, and this is why this morning we—I know I'm about to say Hallmarky stuff—but we stand and say, "Joy to the world! The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Joy to the world!" The Savior reigns. He rules the world. Not the person you didn't vote for or you did vote for. He rules the world. Do you believe that this morning? Can you receive that this morning? And I love the line in that third verse. And he makes, this isn't from the Bible, this is from a Christmas hymn, and makes the nations prove, what, the glories or the wonders of his love. He's still making, could he right now be engaged in what's happening in our nation Could he be making our nation prove the wonders and glories of his love? I'm closing with this right here because I have to. What is it in Matthew chapter, Mark 10, I'm sorry. Catch this real quick. Talking about not being able to see. There's a man blind Bartimaeus. Jesus and the disciples are passing by. And he can't see, but we know that when you lose one of your senses, the other four are heightened. And so he couldn't see, but he caught the hearsay about the commotion going on. It's Jesus. And though he couldn't see, he could hear. And as soon as it dawned on him, I see something that I can't see. Jesus is here. He started shouting, and the word means with infinity. He he just shouted, shouted, shouted. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. You know the story. And the disciples go, until Jesus stopped. I've taught you to read the Bible and do your daily devotions and always see in whatever you're reading is, where's God in this story, and where am I, and what is he saying to me? In this story, who are you? You're not Jesus, right? You're not the disciples hopefully going, be quiet, poor blind man. Who are you? You're Bartimaeus. I'm Bartimaeus. And the Bible says, a blind beggar was sitting by the road. Who's that? That's us. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he began shouting, Verse 48, many scolded him to get him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Look what verse 49 says. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so the disciples, they called the blind man and said, now everybody listen, catch this picture. This isn't Jesus speaking right here. This is the word giving his disciples a word to a man who needed it. And that's what's happening today. The word gave a servant of the word, a word to give you a word. And here's the word, have courage, get up. He is calling you. What happened? The Bible says Bartimaeus got up and not knowing where he was going, There was some supernatural sensitivity where he started walking to Jesus. And as he got to Jesus, he said this. Don't miss this. I got like four sermons in this one sermon. This is the last one, I promise you. Don't miss this. As he gets to Jesus, Jesus says, what would you like for me to do? What a dumb question. It's rhetorical. But sometimes God wants you to really recognize what you need. Some blind people just want money. Some beggars just want money. And Jesus said, what do you need? And God brings us to a place where we have to confess our need. And he said, I'd like to be able to see. How many of you like to be able to see in every way seeable? It's possible this morning. And the Bible said, Jesus said, go, your faith has made you whole. And I love the way this story ends. So he received his sight and started following Jesus. On the road so this morning I want you to hear God say to you have courage get up move toward Jesus how many of you this morning you need to hear you need to see what God is doing in and around your world how many of you are tired of confusion misery destruction and darkness How many of you are ready to say joy to the world? The Lord is come. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, stand to your feet in the name of Jesus. I got to pray this prayer. We had two people give their life to Christ in the first service. There are people here today who you may not know the Lord, and you're here today sitting by the road, and he is speaking to you. I want all eyes on me real quick. This is, we do church for this reason right here. If you're here today and you go, I'm walking in darkness. It could be that you are not spiritually alive yet. You've never given your life to Christ. I go to church, Pastor Chuck, I I like you, I like restoration, but it's more than that. Have you given your life to Christ? And if you're here this morning and you feel that, that warm sensation, that almost nervous giddiness, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. He's wooing you and calling you out of darkness into knowing the way, knowing truth about emotional darkness and knowing and experiencing life. How many of you are glad you came out of Death, not out of like, I wasn't a good person. You were a wretch, and now you're alive because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. How many of you are glad to be walking in light this morning? Thank you, Father. I'm going to count to three, and if you're here this morning and go, you know what, I want salvation. I want to know the Lord. I want to be sure if I stand before Him today, I have received God's gift who paid the price for me to receive eternal life. Don't miss this opportunity, sir. Ma'am, God has brought you to this point to awaken you. There's more. You don't have to walk in darkness. I sense his presence here this morning. We love you, Lord. Thank you for wooing us. We could never figure it out on our own, but your spirit lovingly calls us. If you're here today, I want you to slip up your hand. When I count to three. One, two, three. Lift your hands, lift your hands. If you're here to say, I want to receive the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Praise you, Lord. I see five or six hands going up. Hallelujah. You may go, ah, this is all right service. For five or six people, it's a little more than all right. How many of you would thank God for above par services? (laughs) Hallelujah. Lord, we just rejoice with you, Father. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you and I want you. I am a sinner, I need a Savior. I surrender my life to you. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Renew me. Transform me by your spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart this morning, don't just go through the rest of the day and the week and the month. Come by. Come see me. Let us help you get plugged into a discipleship group, into a small group. You need to be discipled. You need to be bolstered, encouraged in your faith this morning. I'm going to let you go in a second. How many of you are here this morning and go, I know the Lord, but there's a weight of oppression. There's some confusion. in my. It's weighing down. There's a level of anxiety or fear, misery, destruction that I'm dealing with. And I want to be set free from it this morning, Pastor Chuck. If you're here, raise your hand if that's you. Come on, lift it up in the name of Jesus. The counselor is here by his spirit to set you free. Hands up all over the room, addictions in the name of Jesus. Wounds in our fractured emotions that keep leading us back to medicate our pain. Alcohol, drugs, illicit drugs and sex and pornography in the name of Jesus. Don't get hallmarky on me, I know it's time to go. But in the name of Jesus, he has come to set you free. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every one of these men and women, young men and young women, we speak your name. We ask that you would move in their life, even as they confess this morning, I need to be able to see, I need to be set free. Reveal yourself to them, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. We speak against every evil spirit, generational consequences. We speak against all the the distractions that come in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Be set free, brother and sister, in the name of Jesus. Everybody in this room, say, I am free. Come on, say it out, I am free. Say it now like you mean it. If you are free, say it out, I am free. Turn and tell three or four people around you, tell them you are free in Jesus' name. Prophesy, speak it over them like you believe it. Hallelujah. Now, brothers and sisters, This week in this holiday season, may you be set free from the spirit of Krispy Kreme. And if you eat a few of them, you won't won't gain weight in Jesus' name. How many of you receive that? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Say it. I receive it. Bless you all. Have a great afternoon. We love you.